And uh, Mother's Day is approaching, but we're going to probably talk about that a little later. (laughs) (laughs) So exciting. So, Meredith, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've been spending the entire day sitting in my office just waiting for terrain. Oh. Because I was so sure. It just looked like It looked like it all day, didn't it? Yeah. It was was teasing us. Any second, it was just going to pour. And then, you know what the funny thing is? Is it started terrain? I had no idea it happened. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was so engulfed in my work that I had no idea what was going on. Oh, wow. It was a very summertime rain, too. It was fast, furious, and quick. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, it was over just as soon as it started. It yeah. was very classic, I think, summertime rain. I yeah. heard it was snowing in the UP. No. Yeah. Also classic. Oh, my word. <laughs> Holy moly. So. Goodness. Yeah. All those mountainous terrain that we have in the UP. That's right. Uh, that's right, 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 right. So, gosh, okay. So, that's well, my story. My foot still hurts. Oh, I know folks know that Meredith fell down a hole. Fell in the hole. Okay, yeah. so, yeah. So, she's yeah. Um, so. been uh, trying to recover from that ever since. Dan's been forcing me to exercise again. Exactly. It's good for it. It's good for an injury. See? It really is. See? I don't believe it's you. Old, <laughs> it's old school medicine. It's it's totally old school medicine to, like, not work out a tired or, I'm sorry, an injured area. Really? Like, I, yeah, I have torn my rotator cuff and was told, don't stop doing what you're doing that tore the rotator cuff. Like, continue wow. to do that. Like, you know, I thought they were going to sling it and attach it to my body, but right. no, they were like, no, uh-uh. Wow. That. So that's all old school medicine to, like, immobilize an injury. Obviously, you immobilize breaks. Right, 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 right. Well, but for a shorter and, period of time. I mean, right, I used to think it was, shorter. like, eight weeks, and now I'm seeing... It used to be, but they yeah. don't do it as long now, because well, your bone heals fairly quickly. Right, and sprains are not immobilized as long either. It's like... Three days. Three days Mm -hmm. to mobilize a sprain. And how long has it been since your... uh, um, Wouldn't that have been Easter weekend? It was two weeks. No, it's been four weeks almost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I was supposed to, like, be gentle on it for the second week, and I didn't remotely do that. (laughs) You weren't that gentle. I wasn't that gentle. I'm never that gentle. But the pool is all right for it, right? You know, the funny thing is, is the time that I went to the pool, like, last week, I went to the pool on Tuesday night when I was supposed to meet someone there, and the person didn't show up, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Um and you guys it need, actually I think hurt you guys more. need couples therapy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're having separation anxiety. Or at least I <laughs> no, am. Well, no, we haven't been separated yet. <laughs> yeah, but it's about to happen. Yeah. Oh, oh, I gotcha. Gotcha. It's about to happen. Oh, man. But, yeah. Meredith is growing up. I know. Oh, I'm flying the coop. The <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving. Dang. So, All yeah. right. Cool. Well, I learned a very interesting fact that I don't know if folks if folks are aware of this is um I was talking to somebody about like uh, how to wear a hat and you don't know. Well, I mean, Usually well, there's so many different head. ways, you know, <laughs> like you wear the the brim over your you know, baseball cap, I think, is what I'm more talking about. Not so a necessarily a golf hat. To wear Not a, a sharpoe. Yes, right, exactly. Okay. And Rather so than it, just in general, how to wear it. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay. You don't put it on your elbow. And um, so <laughs> the uh, so and I found out that um, in the gay community was what started the um, taking the brim of the hat and putting it on the back of your neck so that it's backwards, wearing the the baseball hat backwards. And it started Why? in the bars because that indicated that you. Uh, provided oral sex because the hat, uh, the rim of the hat would get in your way. 
unless oh, they were very well endowed. Right. Then it wasn't a problem. Not but always, you know, yeah. But most of the time. Anyway. <laughs> then they just found out you were really light um, right. But um, that started, and then people started liking that style because they would just wear it out of the, you know, mm-hmm. out and about or whatever, and then it just kind of caught on. That's really. You both are looking at me like you're absolutely full of it. But anyway, so. <laughs> no, I don't uh, think you're full of it at okay. all. I totally believe it. I'm just like, I don't know. It's just a weird thing. It's yes. just weird. Yes. Well, it's kind of like very similar to like the handkerchiefs, like the different color handkerchiefs it is. and uh, it is, which pocket to put it in. And but the thing, thing is, is, is the you can't remember all of those things. Well, the hanky code can be complex. You are absolutely right. But I think the there hat. Are, but the hat, or the, I'm sorry, the hanky thing, it's sort of self-explanatory in some ways mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. a yellow hanky means you exactly. know, water sports like that's right kind of how it is you know it's self-explanatory yes. and we're and not talking about skiing people anyway go no. ahead yeah. and the other thing with the hanky code for me is that's sort of like i could you know wear my hanky in a certain way at i don't know whole foods and people other people in whole foods would know right what was going you know if they were yes. clued in but if i wear my baseball cap backwards like they're just gonna think that i'm wearing my baseball well cap because backwards. it's so common now that's right. the thing though part of it is that it's so common in our community that um that in, especially in the um uh, the majority crowd or whatever that mainstream that's what I was looking for it's so it's so mainstream now that people don't even realize that so that that it, it's yeah, like oh it's just the way we started. but how we got started so that was very interesting because I was looking um at our engineer and um yep he's wearing his hat the you know the proper way so the forward way <laughs> the proper way the forward way <laughs> oh, he's looking at like uh, what huh? what are you talking about <laughs> see how interesting we are we're even boring our engineer goodness gracious so. But uh, but yes, but we have some very interesting and exciting news that that last week we were quite um uh, uh it felt like a quite a an absence last weekend because there was something else an event that was happening last week exactly at the same time as the radio show it was exactly <laughs> which I think is kismet. I do too. <laughs> I do too. I actually said that at some point last Wednesday. I was like, "Do you believe it happened right during closet ever close?" <laughs> yes, last week at this time. Well, yeah, at this time. Um, or well, actually, at six forty is when the actual right. moment was. Exactly. Um, but Danielle and I had a baby. Woohoo! Actually, Danielle did most of the work, <laughs> if not all. Um. And we had a little baby girl named Charlotte. Aww. A, she's just so cute. Oh, Christy, congratulations. Oh, yeah. She is you. absolutely gorgeous. She is a stunner. Yes. And she's quite wee. She's only six pounds. Which okay. Is, it's it's the small side of average. Yeah. And she's yeah. not like abnormally small. No, <laughs> no. I mean, she ain't like she's, two pounds. Yeah. Right. She's six pounds, so she's very little, which we've discovered, we discovered today, because during the downpour, we had gone out to lunch right prior to it and then charlotte needed to eat and so we discovered that we could pass charlotte back and forth in the car with one hand (laughs) 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 so her size is quite an advantage in some ways but she's very cute and very sweet um she's actually really well and even tempered and well i mean she's only a week old so she could be for now razor yeah right right right. now she's pretty even tempered she likes to bounce and she likes to fart and she likes to (laughs) suck on things like those are her she takes after tan (laughs) 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 she's she's a good kid she really and she's very 
cute. She's oh, just really yes. cute. And she has a full head of hair. Full head of black hair. Wow. I had a full head of hair when I was born. As did well. you keep it? Do you? I mean, you don't remember, I but I did. I had it all the way. Yeah, because that's really, what our really, concern really was. Long. We've we've looked it up a couple times. Like most babies lose their hair around four months, and then oh. they get it all back. And so we're really hoping because this hair it's gorgeous. It's, oh yeah, it's really cute. And so I think next week. Um, Charlotte will be our youngest guest ever. Aww. So I'm going to bring her with me next week. Oh, my goodness. Um, I love babies. So I'm going to also bring Danielle because Charlotte eats a lot. <laughs> and Danielle is her source of nutrition. So ah. We'll have so to bring, bring the grocery store yeah, with we'll her. Have to bring the grocery store with her, but it was. I want to. I cannot tell you how impressed I am with Danielle Terry. I really need to tell you this. Wow. She pushed that baby out in 15 minutes. Goodness. Wow. That's she, impressive. Yes, she went. She was like, labor was forever. Labor was literally six days long. I'm not wow. even kidding. Labor was really long, which is why I missed your birthday party. I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, it's okay. It's all right. Yeah, labor was really long and crappy like it was in her back and she was just it was awful but delivery once she got going wow she was like at two centimeters dilated to two centimeters for i'm not kidding you six days wow and they finally she actually decided to go ahead and have an epidural because she was having back labor which is the excruciatingly painful oh, i mean it's okay. not just um it's because charlotte was what's called um posterior which means she was um, face up, Uh-oh. which is the opposite of the way you want to have a baby come out because that is um, the back of their head scrapes along the tailbone. Oh, no fun. No. But if it's the other way around and it's the top, it's their face on the tailbone, then the face is so mushy. Got it doesn't it. hurt. Right. Gotcha. Well, she was having back labor and it was really, really painful. So she got this epidural and what the epidural did was it relaxed her enough that it just sent her right in. To full-blown labor because she was so tense from all this pain. Oh. So she went, um, the, the goal of dilation is 10 centimeters, right? Okay. So that's where you want to go. Um, at 7 centimeters, it's what you're call, You're in what's called transition, which is the last phase of labor before delivery starts. It is typically the most painful. It also can last a while. Um, and in, particularly in first-time moms, it can last a little while. Well, um, Danielle went from three centimeters to eight in an hour and a half. Wow. Which typically about takes about four hours, five hours, if if you're in like rapid labor, regular like speed right, labor, right. if you're not slow. Then she went from eight to ten in about twenty minutes. Wow. Which is really precipitous. Like that's a very fast labor. So she kept saying like the nurse was in there, it was just me and the nurse that were in there. Like our doula wasn't there. Our friends our support team was not there because we had been saying, you know, it's going really slow. It's going really slow. We'll call you when you need when we need you. Well, when we got the report of eight centimeters, we called. Yep. But you know, getting to any room in the U of M hospital takes longer than twenty minutes if you're in the parking lot when you get the phone call. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, they had to all drive there. So we're waiting and waiting and waiting for them to come, and it was just me and the nurse. And Danielle's like, I gotta push. Seriously, I need to push. You don't seem to. I need to push. Get the midwife. Like she was. Wow. I have to push. I have to push. Um, So the midwife finally came in there and she was like, she checked Danielle's cervix and she's like, whoa, there's no cervix there at all. It's whenever you feel the urge to push, I want you to go ahead. But first, I want you to flip over onto all fours and try to flip this baby over. Right. Because 
it'll be a lot easier to have this baby if we if we get it to flip. Mm-hmm. Well, Danielle was on all fours for a little while and she was not happy. It was very uncomfortable. So as she went to flip and she was sort of on her like side, halfway on her side, halfway on her back. Um, and she started, um, she had to push then. And so there was a few unsuccessful sort of pushes at that moment. And then she flipped over onto her, all the way onto her back. And I said, I was like, at that exact minute, I had to pee so urgently. I could not hold <laughs> oh, it anymore. Oh, no. And I was like, okay, I got to pee. You have to stop. I oh, have, my god! if I don't go to the bathroom, I'm going to wet my pants when That's, this kid is born. Right, right, right. Like, And we don't need that. Right? Yes, yes. <laughs> so I go, and so at this time moment, she had gotten an oxygen mask on because actually she had gotten a temperature and and the baby's heart rate was starting to accelerate and stuff because it was just um Danielle had some uh pregnancy induced hypertension her blood pressure was pretty high and um so they had there were some potential complications yep. with that but it was all fine but anyway so she's got this oxygen mask on she's got wires coming out of everywhere i'm not kidding mm-hmm. and i go into the bathroom and at the moment that i'm flushing the toilet i hear my um, friend Kelly come in who's supposed to videotape this for Oh us. no. And she says she's like, What what's going on? Because I'm gone. <laughs> Danielle's there with this oxygen mask on, sort of with her eyes half open, like moaning really uh-huh. loud, banging on the bed, you know, she's in so much pain and I come out of the bathroom and I was like, There's the camera, there's the tapes, let's go. This thing is going. <laughs> like, I don't even say We you took know, a pee break, but that was it. Yeah, that was right. it. That's the only break we're getting. And so, literally, I'm not kidding you, four pushes later, the baby was out. Good for My her. My goodness. Yeah. Woo-hoo! Right. It was very, very fast. Wow. Um, Like, after that, she got all the way on her back. The midwife put her hand on there, and she's like, there's the head. Would you like to reach down and touch it? So, Danielle put her hand on Charlotte's head and was like, oh, okay, well, let's get it out. It's kind of like <laughs> the like the look of that right. happened in her face. She wasn't saying much, oh, mind you. Okay. But she did. She pushed. And usually there's a little break between the head and the shoulders. Like they have to, like the baby stops and just chills out for a minute. Uh-uh. She was like, She uh-uh. came all the way out in one push. Oh, wow. my goodness. Um, so she came. So you got a short split. birthing video, don't you? Yes. Nine, <laughs> it's nine minutes long. Not one of those ones where people are like, okay. Yeah. It's not very boring. Hour 12. It's nine minutes long, and that includes them washing the baby, giving it a shot, and putting the the antibiotics in its eye. Wow. wow. So it includes all of that, and it's nine minutes long. It's not boring at all, though quite nasty. Oh, yeah. right, 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 right. <laughs> It's really kind of gross. Oh man! But it's awesome, and Charlotte's amazing. She's um, when did you get to take her home? Uh, Friday morning. She had to stay in the hospital for 36 hours after she was born, um, because she had to have antibiotics because Danielle had a fever. Mm. Mm. And if there's a lot of like if then this sort of things around birth, and if Danielle had gotten the fever. Um, three hours prior to delivery, then she would have got enough antibiotics and the baby wouldn't have needed any. Got it. But because Danielle didn't get, because her delivery was so fast, she only got like 20 minutes of antibiotics. Uh, and so then the baby needed to have it too. Got it. Um, and also, so the baby had to have it for 36 hours. And they have these really cool rooms at U of M called nesting rooms. Aww. Where it's like, it's a, it's a hospital room for the baby. 
but there's like a double bed in there for the parents. Okay. Wow. So like we didn't have to go home and leave our baby in the hospital. Oh, good, that's really nice. Um, so it is really cool. Yeah, and I always get afraid that I'm going to lose it. Are they going to make sure? Do I get the right one? Well, they home? did actually right. have to take her away from us for a little while when they right like with like. They cleaned her up, they checked her out and everything, and then we got to hold her for like 20 minutes, and then they had to go, because they had to start an IV for the antibiotics, um, and they don't really recommend doing that in front of new parents. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really. really. Glad don't like, break it. I just right, got it. Right, right. <laughs> oh, my God. Right. <laughs> so there's that, and they had to do some other um, like blood cultures on her and stuff, just to, because of all of the. She um, there's this stuff called meconium that it's the kind it's the poo that babies have when they're first born. Oh, okay. But she actually um, pooped as she was being born, and that's like a sign of that the baby was in distress. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had to do a lot of tests on her to make sure she wasn't sick, and she wasn't. So, and because she pooped, it was a sign that she was in distress. Yeah, when you okay. have you ever heard the expression, you know, scared, poopless, yeah, uh-huh. poopless. <laughs> it's true. Oh wow! Okay. And so they like some there was some stress in there that made the baby, um, do that as right. she was being born. So, um, gotcha. But it's all it's, it was all fine. She was okay. totally fine. It was good. Just, um, but that was that's a rare thing that happened. Everything else was kind of normal. But. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, she's great. Wow. She's and then when I got the pictures, I was like, oh my god! And there was lots of pictures. Of course, there's lots uh, of lots pictures. Of They're pictures. Exactly. <laughs> there I mean, will it was be more like, soon. Like I have, I have another. Are you doing a like, series? Yeah. I'm like every do, couple of days, you yeah. Do. <laughs> well, actually, we take a few pictures every day, one way or another. Aww. Well, Danielle took a picture of me holding Charlotte asleep in the rocking chair. Um, in my bathrobe and. And the bathrobe was not quite close Ooh. as well as it should have been. And she told me, I took a picture of you sleeping with the baby and your crotch is in it. It's <laughs> 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 like, well, we'll just, good thing it's digital. We can right. edit that right <laughs> out, you know? That's no big deal. Or you could leave it in for fun party. Right, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's the party picture. That right. shouldn't be in this picture. Right, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I will say, parenthood is the new punk rock, man. It's hardcore. Oh, I bet it is. I'm so tired, I could go to sleep right now. Oh, like, I bet. Like, in mid-sentence. Yes. Although she's pretty good. She sleeps, like, two four-hour stretches in the night. That's not which bad. Is pretty good. Um, but then that means that she'll eat an hour and a half every hour and a half to two hours in the daytime. Like, they, she needs to eat eight to 12 times a day in a 24-hour period. Do they give you, like, a manual? Like, do they tell you, okay, she should be eating eight to 12 hours? I mean, because I feel like there's a lot of stuff. They do, like. actually. Well, they don't give you a manual, but they tell you all this stuff. And okay. then there are books that you can okay. get. The one that I've like, I like for a few reasons, but then I don't like it for others, is Baby, uh, Baby 411 and The Baby Book. Both of those are pretty good. I w- I liked those so far. I mean, there are some things in there I don't like. Like, they, the Baby 411 book comes out in a little too much in favor of circumcision, which I'm mm. not for. But other things in there are pretty good. It also says some stuff about, you know, introducing a, a bottle to a breastfed baby at, like, two weeks, which I'm totally not down with. And neither is Danielle. Like, that seems a little too soon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Even if it's her own breast milk? Well, yeah. I mean, that's what they mean. Express oh, breast milk oh, in a bottle. Okay. But the, the deal is that um, that breast feeding is not actually truly established until about two weeks. Oh, So okay. doing it. But I tell you, we have a genius baby. <laughs> of you course. You had to teach her. <laughs> She's hardly need, needed much education. In the you didn't I have mean, to adjust Danielle's 
breast for oh, her. Oh yeah, we do. We there's lots of work, but like when she gets it, she gets it. You know what I mean? Like there's no wiggle room for her. She's very good about it. The pro- part of the issue is that she's very small, yeah. so her mouth is very small, and it, and she has a like when you put the nipple in her mouth. It needs to go all the way back to the soft palate, like mm. way in the back of the mouth. Oh, I didn't and know that. And she, it'll get back there and she'll pull away because it's, she might feel like she's choking because her mouth oh, is so small. Oh, okay. But we're working on it and she's getting okay. it really, we had to ha- we had a lactation consultant come. Okay. Um, and help us out with it. And it seems to be going much better now. Okay. But before we go to break, because I know we need to do that, I do want to give a shout out and let folks know that the L&D staff at the University of Michigan is very gay-friendly. They were so respectful of me and of Danielle and our choices and the fact that I was a full-fledged member of this family. They didn't treat me like I didn't belong there, anything like that. So I really wanted to um, send them a shout-out about that. It's on our evaluation form that we did for them, and we were in the hospital for a long time. (laughs) So they were were great and very, I mean, I just, I felt totally, it wasn't even, like, weird for them. Great. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It wasn't That's like, really oh. nice. like you didn't have to make anything uncomfortable no, or deal with them with their own stuff. Yeah. Or talk to them. Nothing like that. So I really wanted to give them the props that they deserve for that because it was really, it felt really comfortable and it was a really safe place to have a baby. So great. Well, it, ahead of time, happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> happy Mother's Day. Although, although my baby is calling me Poppy. Oh, okay. Oh, so you got to wait till June. Yeah. Well, not really father. Like it's not papa. It's but I, mommy doesn't really suit me. Mm-hmm. I don't feel comfortable with. It. I tried it for like the first few days and it was like that sounds weird. So, it's poppy, which I think is sort of like me. It's a little bit masculine, it's a little bit feminine. Kind of in there. So, and then and Danielle is mama. So. Gotcha. But I'll take mama Mother's and Day. poppy. Gotcha. I'll take Mother's Day. All right. I'm down with that. All right, great. Thank you very much. Certainly. Thanks. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to Keith from the Common Language Book Bar. Uh, I have to manage to remember to say that now. So, because it's not a, um, uh, a bookstore, it's a book bar. So, anyway, so we'll take a break. Hi, this is Jeremy Merklinger from the Washtenaw Rainbow Action Project, your TBLG Resource Center at 325 Broncourt. Check us out online at www.rap-up.org or call us at 734-995-9867. Thanks for listening to WCBN, and don't forget to listen to me on Clauses Are for Clothes on the third Wednesday of every month from 6 to 7 p.m. And we are back. And that'll be next week when Jeremy's here. That is. And they are, act- are they, is that, was that address corrected? Oh, I don't think we have. No, it wasn't. It's, it's three now three nineteen Broncourt. Oh my goodness! FYI, that's right. <laughs> One more thing for us to get done. All right, so we had the never-ending list. Of closets are <laughs> closed doors. Exactly. Well, welcome, Keith. To-do list. That's right. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, you have quite a s- several stacks. I, was yeah, I do say have quite a few a different stack, stacks. But you have many stacks. But uh, uh, well, 
However, first, your mentioning of Poppy reminded me of something. We're, we're um, finally starting to get some online sales happening Woo-hoo! at the bookstore. And one of the things that genera- is generating it is this uh, book, Families Like Mine, Daddy, Papa, and Me. Hmm. And it's it's um, gotten a lot of press, but no one's carrying it. So when people are Googling it, they're finding us. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's kind of fun. So. Oh, wow. That's very so cool. So we're becoming the alternative children's bookstore online. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, that is cool. And uh, so a happy Mother's Day. Thank you very and much. And um, we they have another big event coming tomorrow night. Felice Picano is coming to Ann Arbor, which we're very excited about. I see you pulling out the, the um, Between the Lines uh, interview with him, which was just a really good interview. It, um, uh, in just a few words, sort of um, summed up why this guy is so uh, important and um, not to mention just a great author. Um, Felice was one of the fellows who was um, the, a, a group of six, I believe, who called themselves the Violet Quill. Um, this was in the 60s, 70s Manhattan and uh, sort of looked at as the, the the founders of modern gay lit. Oh, OK. And um, so uh, uh, he's been um, has something like 20 volumes published. Um, wow. Has written in. Wide, wide, wide variety of genres. Um, everything from uh, he's the guy who provided the text for The Joy of Gay Sex. Um, he's written uh, memoir um, uh, type of also, things. And also, in 1982, they now have The New Joy. So they apparently do. there was something they missed. <laughs> <laughs> right, we found some new tricks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> He actually has another new memoir out called Fred in Love, which is a, uh, Fred is a cat. Oh. <laughs> and it's, um, and uh, it's uh, um, of a much earlier time in his life, but a, a very fun memoir. Um, and is it, is it as a, from Fred or is it... Um, uh, or is it written as a Fred talking about it? No, or? it's oh, not. No, it's okay. Not, no, it's not that silly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. Um, but his uh, other new book is um, called Tales from a Distant Planet. And one of the genres he writes in is um, sci-fi, the unexplained, supernatural, this type of thing. Um, and... Uh, uh, this is one of those. Um, it's actually a series of short stories. Um, and the last one in it is uh, Ingoldsby, which is the name of a uh, manor in Wisconsin. Hmm. And the um, this short story is entirely, in fact, it's almost novella length, is entirely in the form of newspaper articles, journal entries, memorandums, mm. police blotters, you know, all of this sort of thing, sort of an epistolatory mm. thing. Well, um, I don't remember exactly how we first contacted, um, whether his publicist contacted us or I saw this was coming out and wrote off to them. But in any case, a conversation started. And I, I said, you know, I've always, I'm, I'm trying hard to do things that aren't just you know, plunk the author down in the chair. Yeah. He'll read a couple of chapters and hopefully some people show up and buy the book. Um, and so I started throwing out some fundraising ideas and all of this. And uh, it comes, uh, we get uh, word back that Felice has um, sometimes done this thing where uh, he'll have an actor read 
do some of the reading. Ah. That sort of removes him from being the reader, so he has an easier time interacting both with the story and the audience. Oh. Okay, so this was the starting point, and... and um, we got involved with the Blackbird Theater, um, which is a uh, new theater here in Ann Arbor. Actually, Black Bag Productions has been around since something like 98. Bart Bunn okay. founded that. And they got a home, the Blackbird Theater, a couple of years ago out on Pauline. And I was talking to Dan Morrison and uh, uh, said told him about this idea, and he ran with it. He just wow. got so excited about this. That's cool. And so we're starting you know, to do this back and forth with Felice, because, of course, if we're going to be messing with his words, we want to make sure when he shows up, he's going to be happy with it. Right. Because um, we're going to have to cut quite a bit, because what they're doing is they're going to do a staged reading. Wow. Um, and we, they have um, something like 18 people to do the reading. Including, along with like Blackbird regulars like Bart Bund and um, these folks, they also have um, uh, Donald Camalera from uh, Between the Lines. He's the theater critic. Right, right, right. Who has a theater background, which may be one of the reasons he's such a good theater <laughs> critic. <laughs> That's right. Um, right. Right. And, um, and, and as I said, you know, this is epistolatory and has these newspaper articles, so he'll be reading newspapers. <laughs> That's, awesome. That's great. Right. Um, and let's see, who else do it? Ralph Williams, um, the oh. Shakespearean scholar here um, in Ann Arbor. He's a consultant to Royal Shakespeare Company, all of this. He happened to be there the night when I was um, uh, throwing this idea out to Dan, and he got all excited. He was like, oh, oh Felice Picano, love him. He's just amazing. Wow. Um, so we asked him, and he's going to do um, be a part of the reading. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we have some great people involved in this. And um, uh, uh, so it, it, then we get this um, email from Felice, as this is well into the way, says, you know, just as a matter of interest, this started out as a play. Wow. No. Yeah. So, oh, wow. So he um so he sent the original script to to Dan, which helps Dan a lot because now he can like Figure have it out. pieces of dialogue right. that he can excerpt yes. and make uh -huh. it um, a lot easier to do this right. all and still be using in a Felice's words. Exactly. Yeah, that's cool. And and Felice just got more and more excited. Where's the article? Here it is. In fact, uh, the Between the Lines um, uh, ends up saying, Actor-director Dan Morrison will join Picano in Ann Arbor to blend the play in the novella for an exclusive stage reading of Ingoldsby. Um, quote from Felice, It's really now the fourth generation of this work, and I like it the best. Aww. So Michiganians are getting a treat. And, and indeed, he is so excited. I think this may take on a different life, and we may see it. On stage elsewhere. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, so exciting. That's yeah, very, very exciting. Very cool. And it's actually his first time ever in Michigan. So, oh. yet another reason to be excited about it. Exactly. This. Yeah. yeah. So, when, tell us again when this is happening. Okay, it's happening tomorrow night. So, that's Thursday the 11th, um, 8 o'clock at the Blackbird Theater, which is 1600 Pauline Boulevard. Um, and uh, in fact, you can, if you want a more specific directions, Blackbirdtheater.biz is their um, website, uh, and that's theater spelled E-R as opposed to the pretentious R-E. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, my goodness. And you can see a picture of Bart Brunn there, too, who is, who is just adorable. So that's another good reason to go to that website. <laughs> and uh, so, yes, Felice Picano. Um, and sort of as a segue, last uh, month I talked about uh, – I just sort of threw out a teaser about how much I loved this new that's Michael right. Thomas uh-huh. score. Yes. And if Felice is sort of the um, old guard, though – I, I don't want to make him. Th- you feel like he's, uh, you know, old-fashioned or something. This guy remains cutting edge. But if he was sort of the grandfather of gay lit, Michael Thomas Ford is sort of the new young lion in my view. Ah, this guy okay. is just amazing, and much like Felice Picano, is written in tons of different genres. He's written erotica. He's written about gay spirituality um, and Wicca. Um, he has, um, in fact, I brought this along, the Ultimate Gay Sex um, mm. book, which um, is uh, uh, kind of interesting since it's coming yes. with Felice Picano's Joy of Gay Sex. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, there you go. And I know about a year ago I talked about Looking for It, which was right. just this amazing novel. Uh-huh. Um, it was funny. I had a little bit of an email conversation with um, Mike over the last month, and um, I had mentioned how much I loved looking for it, and one of the things I loved about it was um, a sex scene between two older men. That, huh. And I said, you know, this is just so great to have this gay positive thing. And, of course, since he has written erotica, that's how he managed to make this such a hot scene, I'm sure. But he writes back and says, I'm so glad you liked that because I considered that central to the novel and had considered making one of those two the central character of the novel at one point. Huh. Um, and for just that reason to, you know, sort of talk about the ageism in, in um, mm-hmm. gay, soci- gay male society. Right. Um, but just remarkable. And this new one, Full Circle, is another one that's sort of a comparison to Picano because one of my favorite books of Picano, sadly out of print, some publisher has to change this, is um, called Like People in History. This incredible epic of two good friends, cousins actually, they aren't always good friends. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, from their childhood in the early 50s through the present. And um, they seem to always intersect at these important moments in gay history as well as history. So they're both at Woodstock, for instance, wow. and you know, things like this. Um, well, in full circle, it's similar in that um, it's two next door neighbors. Who were born minutes apart. Their their mothers were best friends. They got pregnant at the same time. Their water broke in the aisle of the Piggly Wiggly at the same time. <laughs> uh, and uh, um, they, they dashed themselves to the hospital. And um, the only difference being they were born, um, though minutes apart, on different days. One just a little before midnight, one just a little. Oh, after I was going to say, wait a minute here. Okay, gotcha. And, and which makes all the difference much later when the Vietnam draft lottery oh, comes about. Yeah. Oh um, my goodness! And, and in fact, this plays into it. And indeed, it's you know incredible the, the way it sort of spans gay history over this um, time. And um, it's just absolutely gripping. I wanted to read a, um, just a little bit from it. Um, it has one of those... Now, this is a treat, because we haven't had you do this in a while. Right. That's true. And you're a good reader. Yes, exactly. It. But um, actually, one just a little bit of a setup. Uh, it starts off with a prologue. Ned, it's Jack. Just a simple 
little scene. And then he goes and he tells about um, uh, lying in bed and thinking about um, his lover next to him, Thayer, um, and a little and what's going on here at their house and how long they've been together, all of that. And a little bit of thinking about Jack, but we don't know anything really about it at that point. And then he comes back um, about a page and a half later and says, Ned, it's Jack. And just like that, the ground fell away beneath my feet. Even now, hours later, I still feel as if I'm tumbling through the air, waiting to hit the ground. And indeed, it's been a long time since he has had any contact with Jack. And Thayer, his lover, starts asking him. Mm. And he, Thayer knows sort of general history of Ned. Right, right. But it's like, time to tell him the whole history. And that's what the book is. Ah. <laughs> and, and it takes the, the, then the book is all about coming full circle in the title to get you back to why Ned, it's Jack. Is wow. Such a, um, okay. Interesting. Moment. And um, and a lot happens, but I wanted to read a, a short section. Um, and they're still kids at this point. Um, and it's Christmas, and um, so he's um, going to bed. I closed my eyes, and within minutes, fell asleep. Donna Michelle came to me like Dickens' ghost of Christmas future, wrapped in snowy fur and bedecked with a crown of holly and gently flickering candles. She smiled as she reached for the clasp of her robe and unfastened it, letting it fall open to reveal her perfect breasts and below the bright flash of hair she kept to herself in her centerfold shot. She held out her hand to me, waiting. This is a reference to having found a Playboy magazine, right? Oh, okay. Don't you want to see what I have to show you, Ned? She asked. Reluctantly, I reached out and took her hand in mine. Instantly, we were flying through the air, snow rushing past us as we sailed over a city twinkling with lights. Donna laughed, her voice sparkling like diamonds, and pointed to something far below. We descended, the city rushing up at us so that I had to cover my face with my arm. And then all was still. I opened my eyes and saw that we were in a room. It was a hospital room. Someone was in the bed, tubes protruding from his arm and connected to bags of clear fluid hanging from poles. Lights flashed on machines behind the bed, their holiday red and green colors hideously ironic in a room that stank of sickness and death. From beyond the slightly open door to the room, I heard the sound of carols sung by voices weak with pain. Is that Jack? I asked, Donna looking uh, at the figure in the bed. His face was thin, the eyes sunken, and the skin the color of ash. Ugly purple spatters stained his arms and exposed chest, the bones of which protruded menacingly. That can't be him, I said, looking away. But Donna nodded and pointed again. What's happened to him? I asked her. But she turned away. I grabbed her hand and spun her around to face me. What's wrong with him? I demanded of her. He's dying, she said. Tears ran from her eyes and down her face. From what? I asked. From love, said Donna. He's dying from love. I didn't understand her. How could Jack be dying from love? Love was something good. What was she talking about? Before I could ask any further questions, the lights on the machine behind Jack's head flickered and turned solid red. A faint buzzing filled the air, and a moment later the door was pushed open and a worried-looking nurse ran in. She looked at the machine quickly pulled a pair of gloves over her hands and held Jack's wrist in her fingers. 
After a moment, she gently <coughs> laid his ar- arm down at his side, reached over, and silenced the machine with the push of a button. Merry Christmas, she said softly as she pulled the curtain around Jack's bed closed. He can't be dead, I said to Donna. Can't I do something? Can't I help him? I'm only here to show you what might happen, she answered. Nothing is for certain. But what can I do, I asked. Tell tell me what I have to do so he doesn't die like this. Love him, Donna replied. You can love him. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. And so this is this kid's dream in, what, 1961, 62, something like this. And, of course, this colors so much of what he knows about his friend and sees about his friend and and as history progresses. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, when I read that, I was just floored. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, definitely. So this sort of odd ghost of Christmas future coming to talk to him. Right. Just stunning book. Not out yet, but it's out in the next couple of weeks. So look for Full Circle, Michael Thomas Ford. Coming, coming, coming. And do right. we want to go real quickly over some other new stuff that's there? Well, well just real quickly. we got a couple minutes. Okay. Um, real quickly then. Um, the book clubs this month, the uh, no longer queer book club. What is it? The Rainbow Reading Club, I wow. think they renamed okay. themselves. Okay. Um, is reading Ezra Twallow's Alone in the Trenches. Um, had the pleasure of meeting Ezra at uh, the Glad Media Awards. Okay. Um, in fact... Spent the weekend with him. It was uh, kind of fun. The guy's the guy's wild. Um, <laughs> Sarah Waters' new book is the Les Reed selection, uh, the Night Watch, um, and a uh, fun, fun, fun new book. I just started it, um, and it just pulls you right in. Oh like, wow! The best of Sarah. Yeah, Waters that's does. what a, a friend of mine said that she just like in the second page was just. Down in there. Exactly. And it's like her other stuff, historic fiction. But this one uh, is during World War II, and you're just right there in London worrying about those night raids in no time. Ah. Uh, Let's see. And then just a few new things. I don't know if I shared this last month or not, uh, because it came out about a month ago, but Transgeneration is now out on DVD. Um, Augustine Burroughs' new book, which is just absolutely another delight. Um, possible side effects. I love it. The six fingers on the hand. On <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't even notice that. I was <laughs> like, I didn't even five days me. What's that about? Um, Leslie Feinberg, her first new novel oh. uh, since Stone Butch Blues. Oh, I mean, she's written other things, but this is the first new novel since then. That just came out as well. Okay. Uh, a couple of new um, things from the music section, Ember Swift, The Dirty Pulse, her new, uh, that just came out last week, I think, which was just about the same time that Katie Ling's Reincarnation came out, Uh uh, which is sort of going, uh, playing on reincarnation, of course, but reincarnation, and it sort of goes back to some of her uh, uh, Western roots. Ah, Uh, Very, very fun. And kind of funny, um, another connection here, first time I ever saw her was on... Um, Pee-wee's Christmas special. To this day, the greatest Christmas special ever done. And uh, <laughs> I learned something new about you every uh, month. Yes. <laughs> Just absolutely incredible. And this was like when she she was somewhat known in the country western world, but um, not much out of that. And Pee-wee di- sort of discovered her for the rest of us, as it were. Afterwards, we went back and played it over and over and over again, trying to figure out is that a man or a woman? Oh, her and dro- it was interesting. 
most androgynous phase. Interesting. Just, uh, um, but uh, she did Jingle Bell Rock. Incredible. But in full circle, Michael Thomas Ford, he refers to the Pee Wee Christmas special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> well, Keith, it's always a pleasure. <laughs> Definitely. Always, always love coming in. Hope I yes. see you and a whole bunch of people tomorrow night yeah, at Feliz Picano. I would that. love to have a big turnout for him because he is so important to us. So. And again, that's at the Blackbird Theater. Blackbird Theater. 1600 Pauline, right? At 8 o'clock? That's tomorrow? correct. All yeah. right. Terrific. Be there. Great. Definitely. That's right. Exactly. And what we're back. Oh, we are back. Oh, this Talking is trash. <laughs> well, I was given this, and I thought I would. I was curious on what um, you guys would have to uh, say about this. But I was given, um, uh, oh, about a week ago, um, a, a, a Metro Times, and I was told about an article in there called Pride and Prejudice, um, and it's about two. It's called the Double Closet, um, where um, it talks about um, um, Arabs in our community and being. How um, in our LGBT community, and how um, the LGBT community is shunning the Arabs um, that are in our community. But then at the same time, Arabs are also um, shunning um, gay people because of, the, of religion reasons, religious reasons, or ethnic reasons, and things. And it goes into quite a bit of detail about. Um, a lot of bringing folks um, that one of the things is that there's uh, due prevention in the, in that community that they would have to address that there are some folks that are um, uh, that to address that information that they would have to start reaching the 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 gay folks in that community. Right. Um, and I was like, well, this is kind of an interesting. And so they're trying to do is just more awareness that there are more people that are there. There are more folks there that they're they're not alone. That you know that there are some folks that actually do welcome them. And um and then um I came across another um. Okay, you said point to the other. It's all, they're both there, actually. They're both there? So just minimize one, okay. and you can see the other behind it. Great, thanks. And then the I, then I came across this article um, called Stop the Anti-Gay um, Iraqi... Iraqis killing now. Um, and there were several different things that I thought was fascinating about what's going on in Iraq where they're, they're actually um, a, a sanctioned killing of LGBT folks um, and, and the United States is just turning our back on it. Um, and I was like, well, this, how, could that have, how could that have happened? I mean, we, we helped them pass the Constitution. We helped them to... Um, you know, increase their freedom. I mean, these are all the the, the rhetoric that I've I've heard over and over and over. Um, and there's like basically five things that actually took place that actually now have sanctioned these things. And I'm not. I don't. I guess I'm not. As I'm talking about it, it's not surprising being in, in, in another country or something like this where there there's different uh, different culture and how they're trying to maintain a certain culture or whatever. Um, uh, because we do hear about. LGBT people uh, being killed in other countries. But this one, I thought, because we went in there and we helped them with the Constitution, um, and we basically have sanctioned this this killing. And, and one of the things that this article goes into uh, by Scott Rose is that, um, and it, I pulled it off of advocate.com, is 
um, that nobody's talking about it. That it's it's something that again that it's a silence. It's that, that our silence is is helping to kill our brothers and sisters over in Iraq. Um, and so I don't know if if um, I guess I really. I, I, well, let me go into this article. Um, the situation is is that there's 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 basically five steps that occurred. One is that the United States, the first, the United States sanctioned um, uh, the results of of putting um, in their constitution that um, making Islam the rather than a main source of. Um, Iraqi law that 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 it wasn't um, basically just one of very, uh, many religions that were helping to influence the law, but it was the religion that was influencing the law. Um, second was that there was a um, uh, in the Sharia Islamic law calls for homosexual people to be killed. Um, so in in Islamic law, there that that is that LGBT people are not. Are basically that it's it's okay to kill them in any ways in any way possible um the third thing was that some sometime around in two thousand and five um Ayatollah Sialani, uh, I think is how you say his name. Um, somebody was writing in a question and answer in a question and answer section of the Arab language version of of the this this website um, issued an anti-gay fatwa, and it basically uh, where someone wrote in and said, "What is." Uh, what is the judgment of uh, for, sodom, uh, for sodomy and lesbianism? And he basically wrote back, or he replied with, "It's forbidden, pu- um, punished, and in fact, kill. Uh, the people involved uh, should be killed in the worst, most severe way of killing." Um, so then, uh, the, the fourth thing that happened. So basically, he basically said, "This is the way. This is if you're going to follow the spirituality, this is what what you need to do, or this religion, I should say, um, uh, or follow him." Uh, and then number four was reports from gay Iraqi refugees in London um, who maintain contact with people in their homeland say that um, Sistani Fatwa Fatwa is is being uh, carried out. Um, that there are folks that are. Um, they're actively uh, pursuing um, uh, or anti-gay prosecution. They're pursuing um, gay folks, and actually, um, they're they're bashing them in the streets to, amongst cheers and amongst uh, people saying, you know, we support you in this as they're killing these people. Um, and then the same source uh, reported that an, 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 um, and it, that also unmarried men that are approaching the age of thirty are given one month to marry a woman, um, and then if they do not, if they fail to do so, they are also murdered. So to make sure that you're not, um, that you're just not, uh, uh, I guess if you're not um, married by now, you must be gay. That there there's an equivalent thought to that. Mm-hmm. Um, very well. The the next thing that I guess it was frightening to me is that people are being hidden in um, in homes very similar that are gay or known to be gay um, or LGBT in the community, and they're being hidden in homes. And as they are escaping and going to U.S. soldiers. They, the U.S. soldiers are just basically laughing them off, like, "Oh, you, you're, you know, uh, we're not going to help you. Uh, that this is a, this is an internal problem you're going to have to deal with." So as they're even trying to go and get help, it's not. There's nothing that's 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 happening. And so I just I it, having these two articles appear um, in my world twice in less than a week. I guess mm-hmm. and I really brought up a lot of our international stuff of, uh, of of like you know what one of the things we really need to do and one of the things the article that um, Scott Rose says and the stop the anti-gay 
Iraqi killings now is that, you know, he said nobody's speaking up about this. You know, the news isn't saying anything about it. The, right. um, uh, the, 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 uh, the soldiers who are witnessing this are not saying anything about it. Um, and, and if there was folks that from our, from the United States that if, you know, one of the things that we can, I mean, yeah, we have a lot of issues in our, in our area, in our country, but by speaking up, you know, mm-hmm. and if we had several people writing letters or if a congressman uh, were hearing letters or emails saying, you know, look, this has got to be investigated. This has got to be stopped. There would be probably something done about it, or then the news would then start taking a look at it, or there'll be pressure for them to to actually do something about this. Um, and so it just really kind of bothered me, and I just kind of wondered if you guys had heard anything about these articles, or or um, if you read these articles, what was your reaction to them? Well, this is the, I, you know, not surprised. This is the first I'm hearing this in-depth amount about it. You know, there's a couple of thing, thoughts that I was having when you were telling us about it. The first is that I'm... My my lack of surprise comes from two places, about two parts of the issue. First of all, the Iraqi people in general must feel completely out of control in their lives, right. out of, in their world, and this is a way that they're exercising control. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, and you can see this again and again and again with people who have, like, particularly in communities that have control taken away from them in a, in a forceful and oppressive way, that they act out their control in some other oppressive way. It's just kind of. I mean, history kind of bears mm-hmm. its, oh, it does, that yeah. it happens. The other thing is, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that our government and our army and soldiers are are don't care, mm-hmm. because in so, like I'm going to go out on a big, you know, I think that George Bush would outlaw it if he could. Yes, yes, he would. And I yes. think I think he would make my life, your life, Meredith's life criminal. Yes. If he could. And yes. so it's not a surprise to me that nothing's being done. It doesn't matter that it's cruel. Right. It doesn't matter that it's obscene. It, none of that matters because he doesn't necessarily disagree with it. Right. 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 And therefore, not stopping it, right. and not saying that this is something that cannot can be continued, um, and and especially after saying that, oh yes, I'm bringing all this freedom to to Iraq. It's like, well, what freedom is really occurring? It's it's still it's setting up the same kind of. Um, if somebody could make a connection between the civil rights of of LGBT folks and oil, I'm sure George would be on board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but, but this isn't about oil, right? <laughs> but I mean. It's not, I mean, it's not just people within our community. I mean, people are killing each other there for, because your name isn't the right name or it, you know, you know, indicates a region that you're from. So it's not surprising that. Right. Well, and that was one of the things that was, um, frustrating for me is that reading saying that that in the article in the metro times is that people are leaving the middle east their countries their their home country in the middle east and coming to the united states to be able to live being gay um to be able to live out there to to uh, who they really are and still not be able to be accepted by the gay community here because they might be a possible terrorist um but yet at the same time if they come over with their families they won't be accepted or to a family member that's already here um that they're not being accepted by their family member because right. so w- where is their freedom happening where is i mean so we're just basically carrying out what um folks are doing in their homeland and and i and i'm just i'm really frustrated because i i keep i keep getting run into the same wall where i just think that if one person realizes the oppression that they're experiencing 
you know that why do they carry out that oppression onto the next onto this onto another person that it's like if you're being oppressed why do you have to carry that out to the next person and i guess that's what frustrates me it's like that the, the, there's a person out there that has nowhere to turn they they can't be in their home country they can't go to another country mm-hmm. who supposedly has all this freedom um but can't be accepted by their family or a community that should be able to take them in mm-hmm. you know and i and right. i and so i guess that's why i'm 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 frustrated with is the the um yes we we're supposed to be a symbol symbolism of freedom and yet when we're going out and, and if our we can't take care of ourselves in our own country and then when we try to introduce freedom into other countries um and this is of course assuming that uh, if i buy into right right that's, <laughs> that's what the, we're doing that's that rhetoric <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's that's, not necessarily um, your rhetoric but that we're introducing that freedom to other countries then then what's you know what's really going on here like i, I guess there's a there's, to me there seems to be a bigger picture that people aren't seeing i guess mm-hmm. or um uh, or am I just being too, or have I just not been eating too much lately, and uh, or eating the wrong foods, and I'm getting emotional? No, I think <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think that. Well, I you know it brings up this. I see these those you know those magnetic ribbon stickers and whatnot. Yes. Bumpers are going to say that freedom isn't free, and you know I want to just say, but you're not paying for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know you're not you driving your Cadillac Escalade. Yes. You're not paying for it. Right. Who's paying for it? Yeah. You know, and and so it, it just makes no sense to me that that idea, this somebody's recently sent around this email thing about um, being spoiled. And it started out amongst teenagers like doing this list of you're spoiled if you have your own cell phone. You're spoiled if you ha- like. So it's a checklist, and it says you have your own cell phone, you have your own room, you have a, your own landline, like all of these lists of TV, things. You have a TV yeah. in your room. You have more than one. You have a game system, and you have like whatever, whatever, whatever. All of these things, and so the more you check off, the indicates the more spoiled you are. Well, I had this friend who then like made a long addendum to it of, you know, like you have clean drinking water, you have. Uh-huh. Um, you have clothes to wear every day. You don't worry about a suicide bomber coming into the Starbucks while you're there getting your $5 latte. That's right. You know, you don't, like, all of this whole long list. And it's like, like so it isn't what you're, I'm I'm trying to make a connection between what you're saying right. and what, oh, no, what's you're doing going good. on. But yes. it's, I don't understand. You talk about, like, you know, Arabs, Middle Eastern folks, Muslims coming to the United States and feeling persecuted and being persecuted, not just feeling persecuted, but actually being persecuted. I don't understand why when Americans travel abroad, they're not persecuted more. Like, we're totally terrorists. Right. In the ugliest sense of the word. And considering what's going on in Iraq, like, Mm -hmm. definitely we should be considered that. And so I, but Americans, the difference is that Americans carry with them an unabashed sense of entitlement. Right. We don't apologize for it. We walk with our shoulders square, our head up high all the time. Just I'm saying as, an, yeah. you know, as, an, as a yeah. community psyche, yeah. yes, there are Americans that don't. I'm saying that. Yes. Yes. And, and that that is some, that sense of entitlement is something that we should share. That power is only going to grow and freedom is only going to be 
accessible if we give it away. Yeah. Not we don't fight for it. Mm-hmm. We don't kill for it. Right. We give it away. Well, isn't that the perfect example of how to show that you have something is by giving it away. Right. I mean, it's like you know to show that you really yeah, do. How do you give it away? And I don't disagree with what you're saying. I'm just wondering, like, how do you? You can say to someone, "You're free. Here's all." The, but well, freedom does have a price to an extent, just because of the way capitalism works. Right, right. <laughs> well, then that's kind of the part of the problem, right? If we want to make it like, there's a difference. Do we want to make their their culture, their society free, or do we want to make it capitalist? Like, because right. there's kind of a difference there. Um, and and then also, I mean, part of it too is religion. And mm-hmm. so you talk about freedom, but then. And I don't agree that religion talks about hatred and and talks about hating people and wanting to stone people and all those things. But if you give someone the opportunity to make their choice about what religion they want to be, and this is the religion that they choose, how do you then, like, how do you then sanction, no, you can't? And I mean, I think that there should be a way to do it. I'm just wondering how do you do it? I think it's, it's, that's a problem to be solved in after a lot of other problems are solved, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because we're not even to a place where we can do that. And I can't believe the show is over. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but we're not even to a place where we can do that. I mean, just to really quickly answer your question, I think that one of the ways that we give it away is we offer people options and choices right. from jump. And we don't say, you need democracy. You right. have to have democracy. Right. right. And this is how the, you're going to get democracy. And that's not giving them freedom. No. no. It, it has to be much more organic than that. Right. Right. Yes. right. Absolutely. And they have to want it. Uh-huh. And we can help with that. Definitely. Because and it's that, never going to last if you give it, if you impose it on someone. Right. Correct. They don't, they want to But is that you truly being choice. free if you're being imposed? Right. You're not. I yeah. mean, and that's why inherently it won't last. Someone will say, well, we impose democracy on you, so let's impose theocracy on you. I mean, let's just take it the next step like let's impose whatever it is we want to impose on exactly exactly well there are great things that are um actually happening i do want to uh mention a couple things that um uh and of course i can't find it at the moment but it's there is a couple organizations you can go and search for i'm being gay uh, a gay muslim um and and there are some things that are locally that are here um, that um, you can be able to look up in Detroit. What good resource there might be is the uh, is MAP, the Midwest AIDS Prevention Project, um, and contact folks there, and they may be able to refer you to folks to be able to support um, these groups. Um, so we've we've had a very interesting uh, show today. We sure have. Um, yes, so uh, tune in, and uh, thank you for tuning in. See you next week. Thanks for tuning into Closets Are Foreclosed on WCBN FM 88.3 Radio Free Ann Arbor. You can contact us by calling 734 763 3500. That's 763 3500. Or you can write us here at the station at 530 SAB Ann Arbor, Michigan 48109. Or at our Ipsy office, you can reach us at P.O. Box 980070, Ypsilanti, Michigan 48198. The views and opinions expressed on Closets Are For Clothes are solely those of their